Hey Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Hey everyone and welcome back to A Little Better. Thank you for listening and watching each and every week. We are excited to jump in on a week where there was no football so that Drew and I can have something else that we can small talk about as we jump in. Drew, thank you for another week and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Should be a good one. Should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it because I think back in the like old school days of A Little Better where we were actually recording it in what now feels like a fancy studio compared to Zoom. <laughs> um, we were we started off this podcast with uh, a number of messages on God's will, and we got to talk a lot about how you and I view the world differently than each other. And I feel like this is another message that talks about that will highlight probably some of our personality differences because we talked about fear, and I I live my entire existence somewhere in the realm of fear, so. This was either uh, especially convicting or personally directed at me. We'll find out. <laughs> no, I totally definitely think that people will get a full perspective of, of the view of fear from both of us because, you know, I just think we look at, at it completely different. So even, oh, in goodness. you know, we had, a, we could see it in pre-preach. We had a little bit of a, not an argument, but like a, a dialogue about. It got like, a little spicy. <laughs> what fear's right and what's not. And we're all like. I'm like, there is no fear. You should never fear. And someone's like, well, what about this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, should be fun uh, yeah, no, it's good. That's, I mean, that's why those systems exist is to help those kind of conversations. But anyway, I appreciate it Sunday, man, so much about it. I want to give you a couple big, like big ups for this um, again, because there's no football. So we might as well throw some compliments around, but um is that what a big up is? I just want to clarify what a big up is. A big is. up is a compliment. In my, oh, okay. I in didn't my know universe. if I was like, wait, am I, I'm not ready for this. Just, oh, compliments? I'm ready for those. Yes, let's do this. <laughs> well, did you get a little bit fearful when I said? <laughs> no, I, I, well, I was like, should I know what this is? And I'm just an old part who does I don't it. know. I, I probably made it up. I doubt it's a real thing. There's we should no ask problem. cool. You totally did make that up. Right. Yeah, we should. I feel like Graham Sproul has like the coolest words. We should ask him if that's a thing. But um, okay, so uh, the in particular, I loved your your sentence. The root of fear traces back to bad theology. I think in particular that to me was um, most convicting for my typical problems. A and B, just a really. Um, you even said it. I don't remember which service. I'm usually in for all of one, half of one, and then none of one. That's usually how it goes for the sermon. But I know you said it at least one and a half times, but you just said that like, here, let me tell you the root of fear and it's not what you're thinking or something like that, or this might not be what you expect because we don't trace, I think natively, the idea that our view of God is the source or the um, root of our fear. We would think it's external stimuli of some kind, you know, yeah. something outside of us is what causes fear or even something inside of us uncontrollable. Like even a little bit, we had this conversation in pre-preach about like the, the release of adrenaline, you know what I mean? Like there's some things that are truly biological about the way that God wired us in regards to fear. But once you've once you define fear as this lack of trust in God, then ultimately the only reason to not trust God is because you don't understand him properly. If you do, he is 100% trustworthy. He is 100% dependable. There's no reason to experience a lack of trust in him. There's a reason to experience um, 
situational fear, let's call it, if that's the like biological response, but there's no reason to have actual lack of trust in God outside of sin. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of the things we struggle with really are a result of bad theology or a lack of understanding of who God is and what he's capable of. And I think fear is, is a great example of this. Um, and I said it, you know, like when you do get God, um, you shouldn't be afraid of anything in life because you realize he's got your best interest in mind and you might not Mm -hmm. like it. I think that's the disconnect for people. Even some people struggle with that statement is, you know, like we we said, when you understand God, he's not surprised and he's in control. Some people feel that tension, like, well, God's in control. Why would he allow COVID-19 to happen? Why, why does he allow bad things? And, you know, it's, it's at some level we feel fear because we don't see that big picture, right? the big picture of who got like what God is accomplishing and what he's doing. And so, yeah, I think when we learn to trust God fully, that starts with us knowing him and un- understanding him at what level we fully can. I'm not even sure we can fully understand God, you know, but when we do that, that trust will should only grow in him. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the people's struggling with that sentence, as you say, probably does come back to that. We, Again, how you define fear, that's a big part of it. But then also what God's being in control should mean for the circumstances of my life. Obviously, in our own minds, that should mean a degree of comfort that we're unlikely to experience. It should mean a degree of safety that we are in no way guaranteed. So um, that's why I love the yeah. verse you closed out with at, at Rochester. Like God did not spare his own son from suffering. You know what I mean? Like, so right. why should we expect Again, that's us shifting our eyes off of our theology and onto our circumstances again, right? And then guess what happens when we do that? We become afraid because why would God do this? What You know, like God doesn't need to answer that question for us ever, right? He gets to do what he wants when he wants because that's what makes him God. And if we keep our eyes on him, our trust grows. But when we take him off and put him on our circumstances, that's what causes us to fear. And it Mm -hmm. changes our theology. It gives us an inaccurate theology of God. And so, yeah, I think I love God didn't spare his own son. Okay. So why would he spare you and I from suffering, from bad circumstances? And knowing that should actually just grow our trust in God, not diminish it. Yeah. And the the idea behind suffering, obviously, is not like, look, if he let his son get beat up, then you're going to get beat up, too. It's like the <laughs> it's not it's not this crass like he doesn't care about you. It's no, he he clearly does mm-hmm. to the point that he has a perfect relationship with his son and was still willing to allow him. I, I've been spending my time with God in first Peter. So I, we keep joking in the sermon writing process that I'm like, we could look at first Peter because that's just all I can think about right now. But. Um, it doesn't matter. There's just so much in first Peter about suffering. I'm not even going to go all there, but first chapter one just has so much there, um, about this whole idea. And I think I I almost suggested in the feedback, uh, in the fear, the root of fear is improper theology proper, (laughs) which would have been so lame, but I loved it. Theology proper, of course, being, uh, for listeners, maybe who aren't familiar, that's the the technical designation of the theology of God, the father in, in theological studies It's called theology proper, just to designate it from theology as a big category. Theology proper is God, the father. So improper theology proper, which would have been so great and everyone would have loved it. Right. Right. I'm not sure anyone understood what you just said. So (laughs) 
<laughs> if you write it down, it makes more sense. Okay. You have to see it. That's is true. Uh, but anyway, um, I just really wanted to, I wanted to tell you, I appreciated that point and felt like there's a lot of nuance here that that was really helpful. Um, and so too, maybe let's dig into that. You talked about how would God allow, like if God's in control, how would he allow this or that? I want to give a shout out to a particular podcast. Um, the unbelievable podcast with Justin Briley. It's a podcast out of the UK. It's super, super helpful. Each week it has conversations between Christians and non-Christians on really complicated topics. And they've even had like, did God cause or why did God allow COVID-19? They had a great conversation about that. They have all kinds of great, really heady theological conversations between experts, like internationally renowned experts will be debating on these topics. So it's really helpful. Um, so just to say, we're, we're not going to dive into that to its deepest extent, but I think there's a difference between the big picture answer, which is what you're giving here. And I'll, I'll restate that big picture answer. The big picture answer is that if we view God properly, we'll never experience fear because God's always in control. But then there's the individualized response that I think probably at a pastoral level, we might give to an individual who might be saying, I'm coming to you with this really hard circumstance. Help me understand to simply slap a, God's in control and he's not surprised. So just deal with it. You know, d don't be afraid. Just quit looking at your circumstances and look at God. Like that's not, that's not an answer in a counseling room, but it's a great answer when we're thinking about like, what's the big, what's true in the big picture. That's a, that's a preaching point, not a counseling point. Maybe is that a way to say it? I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far. I think if I was counseling somebody who struggled with fear, I would, one of my practical responses would be like, yo, I told people yesterday, read about who God is. Like, I think that mm -hmm. that is going to help in the process. Like if you, you know, put your mind, I think some of fear is such a mind battle, right? It's sure. getting your mind off of what is causing you to fear and taking it and replacing it with thoughts of who God is. You know, I, I just think that, that will ease. It's not going to, for some people, it's not going to completely take away all their fear. Like that's an exaggeration, but I think it's the starting process of like, man, when you do understand who God is, it, it will help that process. It will, it will shift your mind off of things that you maybe shouldn't be focused on because they cause you to be fearful and, and replace that with thoughts of who God is. I think that's very helpful in a counseling setting, but I don't sure. think that's the only answer to you know, I, I think we have to be careful. I, I think we have to also empathize with people too. Like again, right. Word, right? Like, Hey, I get why you're afraid. Right. I, I got why the disciples were afraid. And, you know, there's a lot of things in, in life that cause us to fear. And I think we have to empathize with people like, Hey, I understand it, but you can win this. You can beat this. And I think that's really important. And that's, you know, I talked a little bit about banking on the supernatural versus the natural, but I do think there's a balance there of out of the supernatural, God uses the natural, right? So like, I first want to pray, God, protect me from this virus, protect me from any circumstance, right? Like, that's supernatural. That's something that can't really be measured. We, we can't see God's full supernatural protection over our life. But I also think God out of his supernatural uses the natural like doctors to protect us, to prescribe medicine, to wear face masks, to, you know, hey, this is going to help protect you. Like just because you can't use the excuse. I think so many people are like, oh, I'm just banking on the supernatural. God's going to protect me. And 
you're going to do all stupid things to set you up and be like, Oh, God didn't protect me. No, God, that's not the way God works. Right. It's, sure. He's not just this extreme God who's like, you either bank on me or you bank on medicine. Right. Mm. No, you, you bank on God while using the brain that God gave you to walk through life and care for others. Right. Mm-hmm. And those those tensions even reveal some of what is our misunderstanding about God protecting us because we also operate in the assumption of false distinction or false dichotomy between God's protection and our health, right? Like God's protection doesn't have to come in the form of our health. He's, he has greater things in mind than even our safety in a safety obsessed world where we have, it would have been so much easier for people in the first century to not expect God to protect them because Life expectancy is radically shorter. You know, the sun, the, the sun and the rain fall and the righteous and the unrighteous. Like they, if you're living in a world where like your expectations aren't that high, it's easier to say like, God clearly has a bigger goal for my life, AKA pleasing him and spending eternity with him because like, there's probably not that much in this world that's that enjoyable. <laughs> like you are an alien and a stranger again. It's coming back to first Peter for me. Like as you're living as a foreigner in exile, you don't, your expectations aren't that high. You're not that comfortable. You're not digging in and putting down roots in some senses. We just live in a world where roots and convenience and high expectations and life expectancy and comfort are so accessible. Again, by God's grace, that's not a bad thing, but it, right. it does bring with it a different kind. We have to resist different kinds of sins when comfort is possible yeah. than if comfort were impossible. Um we would have to resist bitterness in that context. In this case, we don't have to resist bitterness. We have to resist becoming obsessed with our own comfort. And so then believing that God's control and his protection, I have to break the American mentality. That means I'm happy. It means that he's at work in me. That's what I'm praying for most. Right. And when it comes to, when it comes to fear, I, I just think we've stretched acceptable fear. Okay. Yeah. Let's, this is, this is a great conversation because this, this is, is this, this is, is probably where I'm actually wrestling through, like, as I studied this passage and as we dialogued as a staff, like, I don't, I don't know the answer to this. Like, I'm going to be completely transparent. Like, I don't know how much acceptable fear we have leniency in, right? Like, I talked about, like, our biological response uh, on on Sunday and like how, when we see somebody in danger, we feel this emotion of fear or we'll call it concern, right? That I think is okay. But like, I think there is a very fine line there. And I think what we do as Christians is we have widened that gap tremendously. And we've justified a lot of fear that God doesn't want us to live in. And the reason why I, I, I believe that, and again, I, I want to preface this with like, I don't know the line. So like, sure. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty who is struggling with where that line is, but man, the Bible constantly says, fear not, don't mm-hmm. be afraid. Right. So like, it actually is the most common command. So like, I think we got to take that seriously. I don't think we can like not overplay that. Like, wow, that's strong. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of places. And so again, I'm wrestling and at some level is, is it like a disputable matter? You know, Paul talks about like disputable matters of like, Hey, where that line is, could it be a conviction thing? Where like, Hey, I know with this fear, I still trust God, but this is, again, I I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm navigating that like tension that I feel like, 
And I'm a guy, I don't really like, again, I'm not trying to be proud. Like fear is not one of my biggest struggles. Like I am very like, I I don't fear a lot. I don't worry a lot. That's just not one of my struggles, but I recognize for a lot of people that is right. Right. And that's where I think it's, I I love that you bring up the idea of it being a disputable matter or a matter of conscience, or even just a personality wiring struggle. You know, like I am substantially more inclined to have spreadsheets on spreadsheets on spreadsheets for my whole life. You know what I mean? Then you would be, which means that's an inclination toward catastrophizing. We've talked about the Enneagram before. It's one of my favorite personality things and people have different opinions of it, whatever. I like it. (laughs) And Enneagram sixes, which is what I am like the, the idea that I'm constantly thinking about I want to have, I'm, if I'm going to, to somebody's house and there's a possibility I'm going to go swimming, I'm going to bring a full change of clothes and a bathing suit and two towels just because like, well, I don't know, we might go swimming. So like, I just got to be prepared. Like that's not fear, but that is absolutely my wiring that I'm trying to think through like every possibility because I don't want to be in a situation where I want to go swimming, but I can't because I didn't think ahead. So I'm always trying to think ahead, whatever. It's like preparedness almost. And I think with that, one thing I got to be careful about, and you got to be careful about when you look at me and when I look at you is I, I can't make judgment calls based off of your actions and, and come to this assumption, oh, Aaron just doesn't trust God, right? No, mm-hmm. he just, his personality might be different than us. And so, and I think when you look at me, I think you could easily be like, oh, Drew just trusts God more than I do. Probably true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just a holy guy. <laughs> <laughs> But like, I think it's easy for you to feel bad about yourself in just mm. your personality wiring. And I don't think we can do that. I think we have to, we have to trust God with the personalities given us and how he di- designed us and wired us. And, and that can be a, like a, a hard thing to wrestle through. Which is, I think in some ways, the difference between preaching from an area of natural uh, uh, strength versus natural weakness. Like if I'm preaching on this passage on fear, I'm going to come at it from like, uh, guys, I'm going to say this, it's going to be kind of hard. And you know I mean? I don't know. And like, I'm going to have maybe a little less conviction about fear because I genuinely struggle with this. And so it's going to be harder for me to challenge people to something that I don't, but because of your wiring and the way that you're wired, a lack of fear is something you don't struggle with. And so like calling people to high faith, big faith is, is a more natural call for you, which is part of God's wiring. And that's all good. But your, you know, your point about we're stretching the line. I, it's, I, it's so hard. And I think you're probably right. I think, um, it's, uh, just, it's just you're complicated. Guilty, you? You're feeling guilty. You're like, I don't know, Drew. I feel like I'm in the line. Well, See? well in particular, okay. I'll just say this. Um, I'm broken enough that sometimes I agree with assertions, but not necessarily the why. Like, so for me, the fear, not the frequency of the fear, not command to probably indicates the, 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 the commonness of fear, but it also indicates how often in the Bible, if I'm just being annoying, I would be thinking about it. Like it also indicates how often in the Bible people encountered genuinely scary things, namely in the form of like, there's an angel standing in front of me (laughs) and the angel says, Hey, don't be afraid. I come with great tidings of good joy, which will be for all people. That wasn't, you know, in Luke chapter two, as the angels are talking to the shepherds, that was literally like, I know that I'm a terrifying being, but instead of being terrified, you should be excited because I'm telling you good things. Um, so that's obviously not like a universal command that exp- that sure. speaks to all things, but it does indicate, I think the fact that it, it at some point 
it was necessary to have said that 365 or 366 times throughout the Bible indicates that it's a very common human emotion, one with which we need to frequently deal. Um, and so while to me, it's, it doesn't necessarily compute that it says it a lot, which means we can never do it. It does to me mean it's apparently pretty common, just like any other themes that repeat throughout scripture. You can say that's probably true of the universal human experience. And as someone who tends toward fear, I'm going to look for any way that I possibly can to make sure that you don't accuse me of fear. <laughs> One, so I think a, a healthy question that we should all ask when we feel the emotion of fear, I think a good like barometer is just this question, like, can I fully trust God and still feel this way? Hmm. Hmm. Right, like, you know, like, okay, I, I'm, I'm wrestling through this circumstance. I feel afraid. Can I fully trust God and still feel this way? And if the answer is yes, like, I don't think you're living in fear. If the answer is like, oh, I'm not sure, I think mm, maybe you might want to wrestle through that a little bit more. And if your answer is no, you're probably stepping out of bounds of that command, fear not. Sure. So I think there's, I think we have to make, make sure there's those three categories too, because it's easy for us to lump in yes, no, but I think don't miss the middle category of like, I'm not sure I'm gonna have to wrestle through this one. A lot of them might fit in that middle category versus yeah, like, yeah. yes or no. It's, I don't think it's just black and white. And, and depending on your your personality's tendency toward this, you might have larger sections of gray. Like I've probably got a big old huge section of gray <laughs> that you don't have because you're you're gonna blitz through the first 50 examples of that with like, I don't know, where you, I'm not, I, that didn't even register as something I should be worried about. <laughs> and I I was making you know backup plans for my backup plans. Um, but I know for me, my fear doesn't always manifest in like what you would classify as like terror, because frankly, I just don't experience, probably most Americans don't experience things that you could classify as being genuinely scary. They are frightening maybe in some way, but they're not like there's a monster chasing me or like an alligator is going to eat my leg off or something. Like, I don't know why I went for alligators. By the way. We live in the North, bro. If you see an alligator, you're, you, you've left the, the area. Something is very wrong. Um, you're at the zoo and you're in the alligator display. <laughs> but um, so my, my fear manifests, I think probably more often as indecision than it does as like, ah, I'm scared. Like I'm not Peter walking on water, like literally scared I'm going to drown. It's more likely that I'm going to be faced with a series of options and be paralyzed by the possibility that in choosing, I might bring upon myself a situation which has negative impact. And I could have, if I had thought about it enough, I might've been able to avoid that or prepare for it. And then I'm beating myself up. And like, that's the, it shows up more as indecision fear does for me than it does as, um, you know, any other thing. <laughs> that makes sense. I think for me, fear shows, I'm an Enneagram three. So achiever, I think they call that. I'm not mm -hmm. like, you know, robust in my understanding. <laughs> I'm actually reading sure. one of the books right now, but nice. you know, this makes sense for me. Like my, one, one of my greatest fears is what are people going to think? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, how are people going to receive this information and think about me? And then really, I, I would say my greatest fear is just like the safety and protection of my family. Like when my, my Ashley goes on a road trip to see her family with the, with our family, I'm like, what would happen if they were in a car accident and I would lose all of them? Like that mm -hmm. might be the top chart greatest fear. I make up these every once in a while in my head, I make up these scenarios and like, how am I going to respond to this if it ever happened? And it's like, sure. Really, Drew? Like what? Come on. 
come on, bro. Yeah. Catastrophizing in that sense. And I'm certainly inclined that way, which is why actually, you know, that final verse that we use of if the Lord had not been on our side, um, I liked that verse. In fact, one of the, in the writing process, as we were suggesting that verse, I think one of the reasons I brought that particular one to mind was my brother at the beginning of COVID, my brother's a pastor in the Detroit area. And he preached a sermon on that at the start of COVID or sometime over the summer. And it was like, he talked about it as reverse catastrophizing. Like catastrophizing is where we say like, oh my goodness, things are so terrible. They're going to be so terrible. And we, we work ourselves into a fear situation. And he was saying, what's cool about that verse is that's actually the same process, but in reverse. You're looking mm-hmm. back and saying, all right, now go crazy. Think about it. Like if the Lord had not been on our side, what are some of the crazy things that could happen? Like, let's just let your imagination run wild. And like, they would have swallowed us alive, for instance, (laughs) like they would, you know, whatever, like all these things. Oh my goodness. Look at what didn't happen. It's, it's kind of like the opposite of count your blessings. Like don't, you know, be grateful for all the things God has done. It's like, you know, take a second and be as Enneagram six as you want and create the worst possible scenarios. None of those happened. Why? The Lord was on your side, you know? And I think that's like an insightful turn on what we tend to do, which is prod like forward thinking catastrophize, why don't we take a moment and look back, not just at all that God has done, but all that he, that could have happened in some parallel universe that he didn't let happen. And that's just an indicator of his faithfulness. Right. And that's, that's a great exercise. I think too, like, you know, if you're listening, go through the storms of your life, write down all the things that you worried or were afraid that might happen and write how many times they actually did happen. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Hey, sometimes they do like, Hey, there are like, sometimes you walk through hard things where you're like, yeah, that thing that I didn't want to happen did happen. Like, I don't want to downplay people walk through those, Mm -hmm. but as a majority, I would think the things that we dramatize in our head and think are going to happen usually don't. That's right. That's right. And as leaders, you know, for you making decisions for an organization, this is hard. As a big faith person who wants to not be led and motivated by faith and trying to overcome your own personal views of fear, but then also lead without fear for an organization, what becomes hard in all that is recognizing that like we can come up with a bunch of worst case scenarios. 99% of the time they don't happen. For the 1% of the time that they do, now there are there are people with real stories who are going to put things on a person's lack of wisdom or why didn't they think yeah. of this, et cetera, et cetera. And those become really difficult. And that's maybe even circling back to the counseling version conversation. That's where, like you said, empathy becomes a big part of it of saying like we have there life is always going to be moving forward and any person who makes any decisions, there will be fallout. And so we don't want to be calloused about that. And that's why when there are implications for people that are negative in any circumstances, we want to lead with empathy. We want to recognize like that's really extremely difficult. And we don't ever want to act as if we are charging forward in faith and no fear, you know, regardless of any outcomes, we don't care how it impacts other people. We're just going to blaze a trail because in some ways that's less, it feels like courage, but that's not really courage. If like, I'm willing to take it on myself, but I'm actually all the negative implications are going to be on you. Like that feels unfair on the other side of it. But if we can lead with empathy and recognize, but still we have to move forward, trusting that God will handle all of the outcomes, not just for me personally, but for other people. Yeah. That's what you call, I called Sunday jerkness, you know, basically it's just you being a jerk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. I think the bottom line is fear is hard. It is. It's a hard thing to wrestle through. And at the end of the day, we need to trust God more than we fear. That's where we have to land. And the way we do that is 
the first step, there's many ways to do that, but the first step is getting proper theology of who God is and what he's capable of. And the more we know, the more knowledge we get of God is never going to hurt us. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And the first thing is our view of God is our most important view. And if we can get that right, uh, everything else falls in place. Yep. Great conversation, man. Thanks for leaning into the, the tensions here. I appreciate it. And uh, hey, for everybody listening, we'd love to your feedback and thoughts. Where are you most afraid? Where do you struggle with this? How does fear manifest in your life? Um, any of those exercises that you're working through, if they're helpful, please hit us up. We want to hear from you. Uh, if they're not helpful and you're mad, we also want to hear from you. Never hurts to get a little, I'll, I'll pass it right along to Drew as Enneagram 3 will love the negative feedback <laughs> and I will have a spreadsheet tracking every one of them. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, we love you guys. Thanks for interacting and we will see you next week when we kick off our brand new series called, I can't remember, Be Rich. Be rich. <laughs> ah, yes. All right. See you guys.